It's 12 o'clock in Frisco, Texas, and it's time for Smoker Broker Radio with Robert Mesh, a.k.a. The Smoker Broker. Robert is the owner of Small World Realty and has employed hundreds of real estate agents in his 17-year career. He has instructed and mentored over 10,000 real estate agents at the highly acclaimed Champions School of Real Estate and is considered an expert in Texas residential realty. Robert is also an advocate of true entrepreneurial spirit and has helped many to transition from corporate America into the world of self-employment. And now live from the studio to your world, The Smoker Broker. Hey, welcome to Smoker Broker. I'm Robert Mesh. I'm the guy they call Smoker Broker. Hope everything's going well. Hope you're having a good week. Running into the summer. There is no spring in Texas. It goes straight from winter to summer. We go from 70, 70, 70, 70, 70 to 105, just like that. Jimmy, it was hot down in Austin yesterday, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Getting 103 to 107. Yeah, it's weird here. You go... You have just the most pleasant spring and everything's just whatever. And uh, you don't even realize you're sitting there one day and the air conditions run all night. You look outside and then someone's talking about heat warnings. And I mean, just like that, you know, we're into the hundreds. And it's funny, we have a mild winter and then we go straight into like excessive heat. We're not even in July yet. So that kind of bothers me. I'm worried about the, <laughs> being in mid-June and having uh, those hot days. That's always reminding of those long droughts that we usually have uh, when we start doing that. So... Uh, and it all happened a little earlier, it seems. Well, I just hope it doesn't mean I looked at the the for the extended forecast and all you know, no rain at all. And, and every time it gets dry like that and hot, it just seems like the whole summer goes that way. So I'm hoping that that's just a uh, a temporary thing. Those summers that we have that are in the hundreds like that, it's just miserable. It's actually the only part that I don't like about. Texas. I love everything about Texas. Everything. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, every place that we practice. But I hate the summer when we have those humid, those humidity and heat index where it does that. It's just the worst part. And I wish it would go away. Uh, but I guess you have to have some sacrifice. No place is perfect. No, uh, uh, it's either too cold or it's too hot or you try to find the middle. So whatever. Well, what's crazy to me, though, is it's amazing the amount of people moving here from Colorado right now. Yeah. I don't, you know, I get the, uh, I get the California thing, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's a little different, but Colorado, but what, I mean, is, are there not enough jobs in Denver? Or, I mean, what's the, it, it's so beautiful out there and, and the weather's great. I mean, I guess if you don't like the cold, but even then they have a, their winters are like a hard two or three weeks, but then the rest of it's pretty mild. Yeah, I mean, and you know, just in my neighborhood alone, uh, several houses went up on the market, and, and and it's just weird how they all were from Colorado that bought them. I thought that was really yeah. interesting. I've seen a few of those too, and yeah. that's not a a West Coast movement. Um, that that has to be something else, and whether it's jobs or whatever. Uh, as much as I do like Texas, you know, Colorado would probably be as far as weather, and you know as far as weather goes that that would be a place to be very hard to leave so it's interesting uh, yeah because there's a lot of texans moving to colorado <laughs> yeah yeah how many how many yeah. of them are in the breckenridge area or have second homes up there too yeah a lot of that uh, and then chicago get, that's where we're trying to get cisco up there uh we'd like to get him in that breckenridge area hopefully he can help some of those people out as he's starting to get settled in up there so i got a feeling that 
um, that's something that'll be a good pipeline for us down the road. So I'm glad he's up there. We need to uh, get him going uh, so that he can start experiencing all that. Well, you know, it's uh, the, the topic today is fitting. It's, it's very fitting because it affects our day-to-day operations. It's, a, it's an excessive change that we haven't seen in a long time. It's well overdue. We've been talking about it for literally the last five or six, five or six years, and it, it's finally here, and that's how a market shifts. Now, we've had different types of market shifts. Yeah, if you remember uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking about the market shift because of COVID. And then we talked about, well, we actually had two quick shifts. We had the immediate emergency that COVID was in. So we backed off and we're worried the housing market's going to crash. Mm-hmm. But then it does the opposite. So it shifts back up and it goes insane mm-hmm. and stays that way for two years. And it's still very good, but now we're getting to the point where the government is using its ultimate fiscal tool to control mon- uh, to control monetary policy. And that's, you know, inflation and interest rates. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And they are instituting their standard operating procedure plan to cool the economy and the housing market off. Uh, and it will work temporarily. Temporarily, it's going to work. Uh, everybody fears that the housing market collapses or that realtors have it bad when the market, uh, when the interest rate goes up. And that, that's a, it's a really big myth. And it's a myth for the past 20 years I've tried to dispel. Uh, it, it's temporary at best. And sometimes it's desperately needed. This isn't like the last time when the interest rates were high where we didn't, uh, you know, we had tons of inventory out there. Prices were going lower. That's not the market that we're in right now. The market that we're in is excessively low inventory and still high pricing. And quite honestly, this interest rate probably will bring it back to where normalcy sets in. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the first time mm-hmm. we've ever used that word for an interest rate hike, because most of the time it's perceived as really super negative, mm-hmm. but it's not. Now, Jim, right now in Austin, you know, it, it, we're, we're still looking at a pretty tough market down there housing wise, right? Oh yeah. They're building like crazy down here. And, uh, but, but, but what I am seeing though, um, you know, sellers starting to, they're still kind of behind even here. They, they want to go and list their house and price it excessively high. And then only about a few weeks later when they realize that that's not going to happen, they're, they're now there's this new word price improvement instead of price reduction, which kind of drives me crazy. But it, but it's a it's a kind way of saying, hey, we screwed up. We priced it way too high. We're pricing it, you know, back down to where it should be, and uh, and then it moves. So um, you well, know, I got so, a better word for you because yeah. it's actually the biggest takeaway of today. That's a perfect example of a market shift. These people mm-hmm. are stuck in what we call the first phase of a shift where they continue to act like it's the same and it's not. And Mm -hmm. it can be painful at times for them. It can be disappointing. It can be remorse, but uh, these are the people that are experiencing the window just starting to close a little bit. And Mm -hmm. 
their friends who you know made a hundred or two or three hundred thousand more and they were like we're going to do the same and now they finally decided to do it but they're finding out that that might not be the case but here's the problem it's a uh, and i'm going to be careful i say this because not everybody fits into this category but there are a lot of people who fit into it there's some greed in this uh, there's some greed because those people that are complaining that they're having to drop they should be very thankful that their house is still worth an excessive amount more mm -hmm. than it ever has been. So it's very hard as a veteran real estate agent to have someone get upset when we're telling them, look, it's probably going to have to be a little bit lower or we might have to lower it. And they hold us accountable to the market for the last four years. And I'm like, surely you accept the fact that the market can't keep going like it has and, you know, if you read even a little bit of the media, obviously you, what, what we're telling you is not a lie. You know, we're, 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 we're telling you what's going on. It, it, it's relevant and it's happening. And yet you're still looking at us like we're the problem. It's not our fault that you waited too long. And I, I'm not that disappointed in it because you're still killing it. You know, so that, that's why I've noticed a little bit of, uh, of greed. You know, for, for those of you who don't, you know, we don't do a good uh, job of, explaining uh, what it is that uh, we do and what our timing frames are. You know, we come in, we do the show, everybody knows we do real estate and stuff, but we forget the uh, the bios as much. You know, for anybody who's watching, especially if you're new to this, like me and Jim have been doing this, you know, together between us, you know, almost about 50 or 60 years. And when we, we've seen a lot of these ships, we've seen, you know, three or four in, in our in our time span, and we understand it. We know how it works. And we've seen how the housing market comes down, rises, emerges. And historically, in the end, real estate always is a good thing. I mean, the business cyclical is like this for real estate. But in the end, it's climbing. You know, I got to go the other way with the camera. It's climbing. And it's amazing how some people don't accept the fact that when they're caught in that this, this thing here, when they get they're caught here or here, they start getting upset. And it, it, it's the lack of knowledge that they have about the housing industry. But it's unfortunate that they tend to point the finger at us as if we're the problem when the real problem was they probably waited just a little too long. But for the, for the first time in probably the history of real estate, it's not going to hurt them because they're still doing a lot better than they would have a few years ago if they sold their house most people have experienced you know a, a hundred to even a two hundred thousand dollar gain in their home depending on where they're at in texas maybe even more and actually i do know it's more some of it's it's been 50 percent more so it's not the worst thing when your house is still 30 percent higher than it was you know two or three years ago so it, it's hard to accept the uh or to have the empathy uh, for those sellers that are starting to get upset you know, in, in all the time I've lived in Texas, and I've been living here since 1968, you know, I've, I've never seen prices jump like this. And, and I can remember, you know, if, if there was a downturn in the market like you're talking about, I mean, Texas has only appreciated maybe one or two percent a year your house did, you know, and so it didn't take much for you to kind of get back to even or lose or you go sell your house and you might have $11,000 of equity in it. 
you know, and so this is this is just so strange the last two years to suddenly have your house jump jump fifty to hundred percent in value. And, well, uh, and it makes it. Uh, you just brought up a good point too that kind of facilitates or emphasizes the level of. I hate using the word greed because some of some of it's not greed, but it, but it is. He's mm-hmm. right. We live in in a market that historically is only one or two percent. So if you want to look at this from another kind of greedy way, you know, the fact that you are anywhere close to over 10, 15, 20 or even 30 or 40 percent. Is ridiculous. One to two percent. It's in in 2000, if you bought a home in Texas and you spent 300,000 on it and you sold it in 2010, it wasn't much more. Mm-hmm. that's 10 years so you know now at least you're getting a taste of some appreciation where you have a, a 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 percent and it's backing down but it still ends up being probably what my guess is i, I i'm guessing that we start getting back to a a five to ten percent you know appreciation rate and when you're when you've been looking at for so long at one or two percent that should be something to celebrate and we don't want high appreciation levels. High appreciation levels, believe it or not, are bad. Because if they keep mm-hmm. doing that at some point, something busts. You don't want high appreciation. This is the biggest miscommunication or misunderstanding in the general public. You want steady, slow, low. Almost like barbecuing. Low and slow. Low mm-hmm. and slow. You want to go low and slow with it? You know, you don't, you don't want excessive movement you don't want erratic you know behavior in a pricing market because the ultimate goal of the house is to buy it stay in it for a while and have a little bit of appreciation but be paying off the debt so you have kind of like an equity gap because you're like doing this with your you're doing this with your price uh, it's going up a little bit but your equity is coming down all right because you're paying it off so here you have a gap of equity and it's a guarantee when we start having erratic behavior, you can't count on that. And that's something that Texas has had for years. And it's threatened now because of uh, this blip in the market and no doubt fueled by an extraordinary event such as COVID. Now, typically when your market goes astray, it obviously has something to do with something out of the ordinary that happened. And Mm-hmm. In this particular case, it was the most extraordinary thing uh, that we've seen in modern times. And as we always do, we adapt. Um, you know, uh, we overcome. Uh, how do the marine? How do the marines say? Adapt, overcome, uh, <laughs> improvise, whatever. Uh, but it's true. We do, and we're good at that. But that doesn't make it the explanation easier for the people we're talking about right now. That are listing their house and they have to drop 50 or a hundred thousand. And then they're looking at us like, you know, bait and switch or something. We haven't baited anything for you. If anything, we're still trying to salvage what, um, the, the real high expectations that you had, um, and still make you happy. But that's kind of difficult when you're already upset that you're not making, you know, uh, 300,000 instead of like 180 or 200,000. It's hard to accept someone upset because they're only making, you know, six figures versus, you know, a high six figures. So we're, so we're seeing that too. And that's an issue 
uh, that's going to be with us for a while now. My guess is until the uh, holidays, probably Thanksgiving or December, um, before we lose that expectation. And then the market settles back down into some type of normalcy. Because that's the, that's the positive story here. The positive story is that this is returning the market to where it's supposed to be. And in the end, you want a healthy housing market, one that has fairness between a buyer and a seller. And it hasn't been fair for a long time. It's been a long time. Even before this, when it was the seller's market, and then it was a buyer's market, that was unfair too. Because the buyers were able to push the sellers around. And this might be the first time that we've seen a long stretch where we have an even real estate market. So as a lot of people like to put a negative spin on it, it's not that negative. It could be one of the most positive things that we've seen in quite some time. Jim, I want you to talk to them about, and you've seen this in your time, and I have too, but talk about interest rates right now. You, you, you've built for a long time. Uh, you, got a, um, uh, you and I have about a 10-year or so gap between us. So you saw the early 80s a little more than I would have from the housing side of it and the interest rate side of it. And that's, that's important because the interest rates were very high in the late 70s and the early 80s. So I'm curious, I'd like people who don't know what that was like. We have a lot of young agents that watch and they're shocked by the interest rates and they don't know. I'd like you to tell them that life goes on with it, but tell them what happened in the 80s and how it went through the 90s and you know how we've got back to where we are because over time, interest rates shouldn't affect what it is that we do. We still have to move from a housing perspective. Well, yeah, you know, of course, I remember us having a, uh, back in the late 70s, having the fuel scare where, and there were the fuel lines. And that, I remember all that. How ironic is that? I mean, are are we worried that we're getting somewhere close to that? I mean, when's the last time we've seen gas over $5 in Texas, right? Yeah, and it, it was just, I'll never forget that. I remember everybody had to, you know, everybody was staying in fuel lines. That was the big news of the time. And uh, <laughs> and even. So I'm, I'm just old enough to remember that. And yeah. it, it makes me, I always feel so bad. Poor Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Poor guy. But I remember, you know, Nixon kind of inherited that or whatever. But I remember Nixon coming out and actually canceled daylight savings time. Oh, wow. Yeah. God, I do remember that. that yeah. That was early in my time, but I remember this. The help, you know, from all the manufacturing plants and all that stuff had something to do with just, just that one hour saved all kinds of fuel and barrels of oil, you know, per day, you know, you know, so but just this, crazy fueled, thing. this fueled that stuff. No, no pun intended. Yeah. This fueled how we started dealing with interesting. It's funny. Everything affects the market in a different way. You know, energy can affect it. Of course, health and, you know, um, um, mass disease can affect things, uh, viruses. But, and that's what we're dealing with right now with the change. But you're right. Back then, we started dealing with energy issues that pushed us into high inflation and high interest rates. Mm -hmm. But the housing market didn't stop. 
No, and there are people paying 18%, you know, and uh, some were which, happy too. Yeah, some were even more, over in the 20% range. And That's right. My my first house, uh, I was at, I was excited at this. I thought I had a great deal. I was at, you know, 12, 12%. Yeah. I mean, a, I, I heard people said they were skipping if it was under 15 at one point to sign. You know, you tell the kids that today and they start throwing up or they don't believe you. They, they actually, yeah. it's, it's a joke, you know? And then, and then, you know, as time went on in the late eighties into the early nineties, mid nineties, it, all of a sudden there was this uh, drop down to 6%. And it was like, we were like in shock. That's amazing. It was exciting. And, and we were told that would be very short lived. And then, then the rest is history. It plunged down to four and 2%. My son's sitting on a two and seven eights interest rate right now. And uh, you know, and, and the rest is history. Of course, you know, now we're traveling back up and, you know, a high four or five or even a 6% rate is still a good rate. You know? Yeah. So that brings up the point I want to talk about. And it's a major takeaway from today when we talk about shifts and how we adapt to a shift and, you know, how we change there. There's multiple ways we can talk about the show today. And of course, we only have enough time to talk about certain components of the shifts. You know, you have, of course, agents that have their buyers that are pulling back and they're they're wanting to wait this out so that's one thing that we see so you have mm -hmm. some agents that are losing a few buyers uh, like even during the middle of the transaction in fact we had five last night that uh said they wanted to back out because of the rates so you know we had to caution them well we had to caution those people on hey look you're it's a breach and that's not a good excuse so you better be prepared go talk to an attorney um as to what could happen to you. But on the other side of it, and more important, and this is a component of adapting to a shift, is the explanation as an agent that you need to give to those buyers telling them, hey, look, it ain't getting better. Like, if you're waiting, we have so many people. This is probably the biggest takeaway of the show today. We have so many people right now that are like, well, we're going to wait it out. Y'all, listen to me. We are rarely very certain about things. We rarely say that we know what's going to happen. And I, I'm always pretty neutral when it comes to stuff like that. But I'm telling you right now, rates are heading towards 8%. Last night, yesterday was a significant day. Those things stormed above 6% for the first time in over 10 years or so. And it, it's, it's not done. We've been told by every single financial executive high up in the government that it's going towards 8%. So your weight is only hurting yourself unless you plan on not buying or not moving at all in the next two years, which that's just not, that's not doable. We, we, we have to move. See, this is, here's, here's another takeaway from the show today. And it's important to understand real estate does not stop because of interest rate movements. It might pause, but it doesn't stop. And even if you don't know much about real estate, common sense should dictate to you. Divorce doesn't stop. Relocation doesn't stop. Job loss doesn't stop. 
illness doesn't stop. Death doesn't stop. These are all things that make people move. The interest rate has nothing to do with those. It doesn't stop that. People still have to buy. The true consequence of an interest rate increase is not a lack of people deciding they're not going to purchase. It becomes they're not going. They're going to have to choose a house that was smaller than they originally hoped for. Mm-hmm. And boo-hoo that you still have the ability to buy a home and live somewhere because you're still living above 98% of the rest of the world in the domains that we have in the United States. And it's not something that should be looked upon as this is horrible. You're still very fortunate, you know, one, to live in this country, to have that ability and while we're talking about this in this little patriotic spiel, which that wasn't what it was designed for, but it kind of kind of sounds like that. Guess what else is being restored by what you're so upset about with the interest rate going up? That would be the American dream of owning a home. Because last year, this past year, that has been threatened. That has been threatened by people who make very good money even more than 200,000 good credit, reasonable debt, good jobs that literally could not find homes last year. Y'all that's not supposed to happen in this country. That is not the way it was designed. Now that was the first time ever we've seen people who deserve to have housing be denied. So as negative as you think this is, or as worried as you are, there's a big positive behind it because that is going to get people back in to being able to afford a home if they so desire. And kind of puts a reverse on the people who are investing and purchasing up all those homes because it demotivates them to purchase because it's not, um, uh, the interest rates that they borrow at is not smart for their investing strategies. So it backs them off too. That is not a bad thing. And as much as I love our investor clients and as much as I believe in investing, I've been pretty vocal this past year about there should be some fairness level between the investor and the owner occupant. You know, Jim HUD had this issue years ago. Those of you not familiar with the HUD homes, HUD homes are government back loans that were foreclosed on FHA VA and Uh, HUD's always had a program that they foreclosed on those houses and the intent was to sell them back to people who really needed them, hopefully at a discount. And it was a very good program. Of course, investors got in there and abused it and started buying it. I'm not going to be hypocritical. I was one of them. You know, uh, a lot of people out there are and we bought them up because they were good buys. Well, the government came in and said, hey, look. The people that need to live in there can't get them because y'all are buying it up. And I have to admit, had I known that, I would have said, I don't want to mess with that. Because I do believe someone should own a home if they have the right. And HUD went in there and they created policy that when they put those homes for sale, that an owner-occupant had the first right to them. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they made it like a, a, a month period, I think, like 30 days that owner occupants had the chance to 
look at the house and purchase it. And if they didn't buy it, then an investor could come in. And I've debated for months now if I publicly would, you know, make the comment on how I feel about that because we have clients on both sides. But the more I've thought about it, that's probably what should be instituted into the regular housing market. Uh, because those of you who are investors and that bothers you that I said that, take it easy for a second. One thing that we found when HUD did that, there were still houses that did not get purchased in the owner occupancy period. There was still plenty of inventory out there for the investor. So if we have to weigh people not being in homes that deserve to be in homes to an investor not getting an immediate shot at it, but most likely getting a shot at it at some point, I have a hard time believing anybody wants to argue that that's the worst of things. And I do believe that that's something that we should institute. Now, I think the government's going to get lucky here because this, this interest rate hike may very well save them from a bigger problem that they were about to get into. And that's where you do have a mass amount of people not being able to get a home. And if it becomes enough of them, that becomes a national crisis and they start demanding something to be done. It wouldn't surprise me if they already looked at that. Don't you think, Jim? They probably had to be, they have to be looking right now at was there a program or response to put a stop to this? Well, yeah, I hope so. And, right. And, and, but right. the big thing, the big thing is, is look at is that, hey, we still got a material shortage problem. So lumber has dropped about 50%, but nothing else is really coming down with it right now. And that's, that's yeah, frustrating. So Ex explain what's you know you're a builder and explain the theory i read that the other day where an article came out and they had like a negative spin that lumber was down i was like well, wait a minute i thought that was the biggest problem with builders is that the lumber was high so it was causing them to have to charge more for the houses but that wasn't the problem it's actually good that the lumber went down the problem is the rest of it didn't go down with it is that correct mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, everything else is still high because of fuel. I mean, you think, you know, um, you know, just your plastics, your PVCs, your, your metals, everything, everything, all these components need fuel and, and materials. And, and, you know, and that still is not caught up, you know. So until that catches up, you know, which probably will this, these interest hikes, I think it's going to take a while, um, you know. You know, once it all catches up, I think we'll see a lot more normalcy and then be able to really put people in the homes that need to get into them. Because remember, it might be this large mass that can, can afford maybe a smaller home, but you got to have the materials to do it because builders aren't going to go out there and build it for fun or for nothing or yeah. at a loss. So. Yeah. yeah, it makes you, uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist type of guy. In fact, I'm the furthest thing from it. And I don't believe in UFOs and I don't believe in all that other crap either. Uh, but I, I am starting to wonder the older I get, if there's some connection between, and I'm, I'm out there on this comment, even, even I'm, even I know I'm out there on it, but you start looking at fuel, you start looking at inflation, 
you start looking at wars. It it it, it, it has to bother you just a little bit to believe that the government's power to affect how things run and work is very intentional at times, even if it's bad for the mass. Mm-hmm. They're probably under their under their breath. They probably know exactly what they were doing, why they're doing it to reset the things so that it's in a favor for them at some point to work out better. Oh yeah. And always when right. things are going bad at home, they fear they need a good war. A war has <laughs> always been a good way to get the economy. Some people don't like that when we say that because they're like, mm-hmm. you act like we're picking fights. I'm like, I didn't say that. I go, it's, mm-hmm. it's a fact that when we return from a war, the economy usually is doing better. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's it's a fact that the government's monetary policies, and it doesn't. This isn't political as far as whether you're a Republican or Democrat. It's a fact that the government's policies and their monetary policies have a massive effect on how we operate. Those gas prices, inflation, all that is determined by the government. If they want something to happen they can make it happen. I mean, you know, for a country that was founded on by the people, it, it does make you sometimes pause and go, is it really by the people? Or you get into that, well, our elected officials speak for, for, for ourselves, and they're the ones that do that. Well, I, I, I can pretty much tell you, I don't think any elected official would say that they're speaking for the people right now with what's going on with monetary policy and government policy, because we're the ones that are affected by it. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody, anybody, especially who has a big truck, no, nobody, nobody wants to hear about that something's being done when, and Jim, what did it cost you to fill up the other day? 150, 180, 200? I mean, it's got to be close to that, right? On the mm-hmm. truck. Yeah. yeah, I have a 36 gallon tank capacity. So, uh, you know, it's. I was hit the south. Yeah, it's like 175. I'm like, the I, memes I'm going to start yesterday. filling up 20 at a time, maybe. I saw a meme yesterday where <laughs> they had someone someone pumping the gas and the guys behind them sitting there like this. And the guy's like, can I help you? He's like, no, I'm just watching. <laughs> I was like, it's almost true, you know? It's like a high purchase or like a high dollar slot that's being watched by someone who can't afford it. <laughs> the guy I mean, it does get to where, though, it makes you wonder the underlying beliefs and what people know. And just because this is the the old joke about all the presidents that go through. There's not a president that's ever come through where they do the before and after. And, and, you know, the poor bastards, (laughs) they all look bad when they come out. And it really makes you wonder how much they know. I mean, what is it that they that's. Is it something that scares them? Is it that they know it is so delicate that if they make one wrong policy, the whole thing can fall apart? You know, it sometimes makes you wonder uh, how it affects it. But all of these things tie. If you wonder why we're talking about these things, you're like, well, those are side conversations. Like, well, they're not. They're not side conversations because all the government, all the economics flow into it all falls back to real estate. Real estate is a fundamental foundation piece. Uh, of um, the American public. It's, it's, it's what fuels everything. The housing market fuels it. Nobody wants a bad housing market. Nobody ever wants a bad housing market. Mm-mm. A bad housing market is no good for anyone. And fortunately, 
we haven't had many of them over time. But when it does happen, nobody likes it. Proof in hand right now, this morning, the stock market is not reacting very well to those rates going up because they know that that discourages the housing market. Now, the problem is nobody gets out there and is clear about it's temporary. That's my irritation with most business analysis that talk about, you know, the housing market. I especially love it when the local anchor gives their, you know, two bits. I'm like, have you ever sold real estate? Do you have any idea what you're talking about? You know, mm-hmm. but people listen to them and it fuels panic at times. And that's what you're seeing this morning. Yeah, you're seeing the general public react to something we've known for months now. Now, we, we've been telling everybody they're going up. It's not a shock. In fact, I'm probably more shocked that it's not where it's not higher than where it should be right now. So it's amazing how the public reacts to someone who expertise is in the material and is like, about time. You know, there's good things too about mm. the rates going up. Now, I'm probably one of the few brokers that puts more of a positive spin on higher interest rates than hardly anybody else out there. Um, we already talked about the benefit that it slows a market down that needed to be slowed down, returns some type of a equal playing field, uh, but it also improves the financial institutions in the country and it encourages them to lend. Now, a lot of people think that banks are strict because of the policies that they have in place. They believe they're doing that to protect, make sure that they're loaning money uh, to people who are truly qualified. That's not, that is not the reason why banks are truly tight with their requirements. It's part of it. But the main reason those requirements have been so tight for the past 10 years, the bank has no motivation to give you money. Why would someone like Bank of America or Wells Fargo want to give you three or 400000 when they're making 2.5% when they're used to making 10 15 or 20%? Why would they risk a toxic asset like that with like hardly any return at all? Mm -hmm. You want the banks to start giving out more money? You want that rate to go up. Do we want it at 15%? No. That's the opposite effect. Do we want it a little bit higher though so it's better for everyone? Yeah. We've been one-sided one way or the other for the past 10 to 15 years. It's either in a buyer's market, it's either in a seller's market, someone's view, so it's never equal. Maybe for once yes. in the past 10 years, we're finally getting back to some equality. It's always blown my mind when they were, when the rates were down in the t- high twos and, and that they were even lending that money out. Like, why would you do that? You know? It's funny. I've thought that for the longest time, too. Yeah. I really have. Because I would be like, no, I'm not giving it to you. Do you want to pay more? You can, but I'm not doing it. It's, it's amazing that it works like that. It's amazing that I guess over time, if enough people say that bank, that bank will loan it to me regardless, then you're like, well, I guess I have to do it now too. It's amazing that a bank would be willing to take the risk. You know, it's always about risk and reward. You know, taking a loan at 2% of $400,000 on a 2% return, that's not a very good risk return reward. Risk reward, you know? That brings me to one of our last takeaways, though, for today. And I do believe that this could be one of the most significant 
changes in the real estate market in if, if not ever and, it, and it's an area that a lot of people aren't very skilled at one because there's only been a few times that it really mattered so you'd have to have a long generation gap as a real estate agent to have seen this before but you're not going to see near what it's going to be like because of the situation all right so i'm going to tell you what i'm talking about government notes such as the fa um the fha notes and the uh va notes they are assumable most conventional notes aren't but the government loans are if you have an fha or a va loan it's assumable funny how much of the general public doesn't probably even know that that loan is assumable but it is if you got an assumable note anywhere in the past four or five years it is rare to have a government note under five percent god forbid under four percent god forbid under three percent and there's some out there right now there are some fha and va notes out there that are low threes y'all that is unheard of in the history of this country now what's significant about today i'll tell you somewhere where i was wrong i thought that we were a year away from seeing this after this morning we're nowhere we are not a year someone right now who has an assumable note at three and a half we'll say three just for calculation's sake they can go on the market against a house that's similar that's not on an fha or va note and price it much higher than that house because they're going to be able to advertise you can assume my note for half the interest that that guy mm-hmm. has so a lot of people when i when i teach that they're like well then what's the point if you're having to pay more you know what what does that mean if you you know just because you're saving interest y'all give you a little hint it's the interest that pops shit. Mm-hmm. do you think somebody's willing to pay 50 to seventy-five thousand dollars more for a house if they're going to save two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars in interest over thirty years, if they're smart, they will. If they're good at monopoly, they will, because that makes sense. Oh, I, Robert, when I was uh, building homes, I loved it when somebody came and they needed to buy one of my houses, but they needed to sell theirs and they had an assumable FHA loan. Yeah, I just I just stepped in there a lot of times and gave them they're their like, equity. Took them their out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was so easy, close, quick, you know, and done. So, you know, so Jim, I like, uh, I like hearing you say that because uh, I talk about this a lot. And like I said, we, we only have a 10 year gap between us and that, but that 10 years had you practicing at that point where you started seeing that and I wasn't there yet, but that was exactly what was happening and there's so many people right now that don't understand they've never seen this concept of assumable notes and the power and you are about to see the greatest shift in the history of real estate in the amount of assumptions that are going to be so it's funny you have all these agents for the last 20 years have never done an assumption 
yet within months, there'll be hundreds and thousands of them. Hundreds and thousands. You know, we're talking about shift. Wait till you see that. Wait till you see a market where you have appraisals that come in at these weird amounts. You're like, how the hell did that happen? Well, it was assumable. Wait till, wait till we try to comp that. Comping is hard enough as it is. Mm-hmm. We're showing our agents that, he, well, why is it 50000 off? They had an assumable. What the hell is that? Well, <laughs> you're yeah. longer stretched out. It already takes time to explain this concept. Now we have to add another variable like that in. Y'all, it's coming. I'm telling you right now, it's coming. I've always been proud of certain things that I've gone out on limbs on and predicted before they happen. I was dead on the money about COVID. I flat out said weeks, within weeks after COVID broke, that there was going to be a euphoria of house selling. And I'll be damned if we didn't go through the highest selling market that we've ever had. And I'm telling you again that you will never see more assumptions in this country's history inside of the next year. And that's going to be a good thing. Now, the one thing that I haven't analyzed yet or thought about, and it's funny doing the show right now, I am just thinking about it, is what the effect will be on the people that don't have assumable notes that are going up against somebody who does. I'm curious how that's going to affect them if it punishes them or if it, if it, if it's a negative reaction to them, if there's only one in their subdivision that has that, or is there five or six that have it? I haven't thought about that yet. Cause that could be a negative. Cause that person might have trouble selling their house when that assumable is out there. So I'm curious how that's going to be responded. That's something I haven't experienced yet. So now that's got me thinking it's got me thinking on, how is that going to affect those people? The shifts are incredible in real estate. Real estate's fascinating in itself. Uh, I never thought that I would enjoy real estate from a theoretical perspective and a business perspective. Most people that get into real estate are sales generated. They're uh, salespeople. Uh, was in the family. You know, one of the biggest problems with real estate management in general is that most managers of real estate offices, they don't have a business background. They just have a sales background, which is awful because a lot of salespeople are not very good business people. Mm-hmm. You know, but what's fascinating is if you do have a business background and then you absorb the sales background, it's incredible what real estate can do and where it takes you and what it does and how many things it relates to because the world does revolve around real estate. And we, we've said it several times today that the nobody wants a bad real estate market. Nobody. And, and for real estate agents out there, that should be something that's very comforting to you. It should be very comforting that We want a stable real estate market. We want people to continue to buy and sell homes. We have tons of land in this country. We are not like some of the European or um, Asian continents that have less land. We have tons of it. Tons of it. We can keep building. We can keep building for 100 to 200 years probably and still not even be close to the amount of housing that we're capable of having. You know, in the years to come, and we're already seeing this in Texas, what 
used to be considered somewhat of an inconvenience that if you had to travel from Dallas to Houston, you know, that's about, well, should be a four and a half hour drive, but for most they can be making three if they're really pushing it down, get into the woodlands mm-hmm. there. But, you know, we, we already have train tracks laid down for trains that are saying they can make that commute in less than 90 minutes. Oh, you start having trains that can go, you know, three or 400 miles in that amount of time. If you start pushing that around everywhere else, you can have people that live four or five hours away from a metropolitan area and still commute into it. You know, you add things like COVID policies in place where most people don't work five days a week anymore and it makes it even easier. So for us, the future is always bright with real estate because no matter what the market is, no matter where it goes, it's still there. It's still there and it's still there for a long, long time. And another great thing about real estate, not that it has anything to do with this topic, but so we're on the same theme of it and we're, and we're getting towards the end of the show. <clears throat> real estate has the effect on everybody that it's something that they want to have. They want to have a lot of it. They want to grow it. And it's something that just keeps us in an economic mood that continues to improve the company that makes uh, the country that makes us better. And it allows us to help them. And it's the one business. And this is the point I was trying to make. It's the one business that still can never be replaced by a machine. Yeah. They've tried, they've tried, you know, the, when the, when the internet came out in the late nineties and early two thousands, the agents swore that it was the end of time. They said that that would kill every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Not only did it not kill it, it propelled it, it propelled the industry. It mm-hmm. made agents better, made them more efficient. You know, you've got companies that came in recently. The biggest threat to real estate, or at least perceived threat, were the larger companies such as the tech companies like an open door coming in, wanting to, well, not wanting to, stating the belief that they are going to replace real estate agents with buying houses on their own. And then Zillow came in and tripled down on that. Not only did they say that they're can replace real estate agents. They said they could only do it with like 300 throughout the entire country. Fast forward to today, those have been terrible misstatements. You know, we have Zillow who is exiting the iBuying process. That had to be a huge pill to swallow for somebody. Yeah. And whereas Open Door continues to move forward, and these are negative comments towards these companies. Power to them. But the fact is, they did say that they could replace the real estate agent and they failed miserably with it. And that is a big motivation in itself because with all the technology, they utilized the technology, but they still couldn't replace the one thing that you have to have with the real estate agent. The machine can't tell you if there was a suicide in the house because that type of stuff's not disclosed. It 
can't tell you for the most part, was there a divorce inside that caused it? Or was there a child issue? Or was there a drug issue? Or whatever. The things that we deal with on a daily basis, it can't tell you that. That's why you can't automatically comp something. That's why you can't have a machine comp a house. You know, that's why you have estimates that don't really reflect what happened in a neighborhood. They're not estimates as much as they are guesstimates. And that makes the future very bright for us because it makes the job almost that it has to be there no matter what. Almost everything can be replaced by a machine. In fact, I think my greatest concern these days is looking at everything we do replaced by machines. I mean, go into, uh, go into a McDonald's. Yeah, it is only a matter of time before there is no one at the cashier at McDonald's. I mean, they are damn close to it already. And then when you go in, they got the panels. Uh, you know, they tell you to use the panels. You know, you go into the, you go to check into the airport. You know, they're pretty much telling you, you need to go to the machine first. It's only a matter of time before a lot of the things that we've had um, people doing won't be there anymore. And, mm -hmm. and it's somewhat encouraging, not that, but that from a real estate perspective, we'll continue to thrive and move on. You see it at the grocery store. I mean, y'all, that's my background. I came from grocery where that was the most important thing was the, was the, was the customer service, the cashier lines, making sure that there was enough people so that there wasn't long lines. You go to the store today, you're lucky if there's one or two cashiers there and they pretty much point you to one of those automatic scanners and they tell you to start scanning. Now, almost everything we do gets close to being replaced by some type of machine. And that, that's, that's very bad for a lot of people. But the point I'm really emphasizing for real estate, I don't think it can be done. It's naive, I guess. I guess it's naive to say that it can't be done. But I just don't see if it hasn't happened yet with all the technology that we have and the variables that we put in place. I just don't see how it could ever, I don't think it ever can get past that. So for us, it's a good thing. I don't think that says a good thing about the world because that puts a lot of people, does make us question the amount of jobs that we have. But I do believe with the amount of jobs lost and replaced by machines, for every machine that's replacing somebody's job, there has to be a job for somebody watching the machine. Yeah. Right? Isn't, yeah. It, isn't, it, isn't it ironic that the food chain works that way, that the machine might take up and replace jobs, but someone still has to run the machine. So it's almost like a trade-off either way, one way or the other. Y'all, we enjoyed today. Uh, it's a interesting topic when you talk about Schiff. I, we, we could talk about Schiff for another three days nonstop. Uh, we took a different route today on the Schiff. We didn't talk about the Schiff that everybody else talks about. And I keep telling all my guys, that shift with an F, you know, not shift when you make a sound. You're like, you talk about, you used to say shift and you, if you don't say it quick enough, you hear it is different, but <laughs> yeah. it is uh, it's yeah. And uh, we took the more theoretical route today uh, about it. And sometimes I think the theoretical route is the better way because it's the more common sense way of, look, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. 
and this is what we need to communicate so that people understand. So really the takeaways from today should have been understanding that a shift that's being caused by a higher interest rate doesn't have to be negative like the, pub, the general public and the media per, uh, perceive it to be. If you're an expert in the industry, it actually might just be what we need to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. No, we appreciate you watching. Uh, as always, uh, push the show on to everybody else out there. Uh, we consider it an extremely good educational show for not only new agents, but existing agents as well. And sometimes even for your clients. You know, those of you who have clients that are having trouble right now with the price decrease and wondering why, uh, you know, you might want to forward this to them. Although put a little asterisk in there when we talk about someone being greedy. We're not necessarily talking about them, but we are making the point that, hey, look at the perspective that you're still doing very well on your house. Y'all, thanks for watching. We'll see y'all next week. Y'all take care. Have a good one.